Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode eight of Both Sides of the Stethoscope. I'm your host, Dr. Colby Salerno. Unfortunately, I'm going to be hosting solo this evening as Aline is a little bit under the weather, but I think we still have a great episode for you tonight. Now that we have moved into November, Aline and I have thought about doing a couple episodes with the underlying theme of Thanksgiving, where we have some guests on and talk about some topics that are near and dear to our heart and allow us to show our thanks to certain people and groups of people. Tonight, as my guest, I'm having on Stephanie Tomeno, who is a critical care nurse with a bachelor's in nursing. And more importantly, she was my nurse many times throughout the six months that I was in the hospital. And now, more importantly than all that, I consider her one of my very good friends. Hey, Steph, welcome on. Hey, Cole, how are you, bud? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm really thankful that you're willing to do this. And although Aline isn't with me right now, she's very excited for this episode. And her and I are really excited just to get a nurse's perspective on the patient-nurse relationship and the importance of it. And then additionally, not saying that you're representing all nurses out right. there, but we, I think your opinion is very important. I appreciate it. And no pressure. No pressure. Yeah. <laughs> so before we get into your relationship with me um, mm -hmm. and how you and I met and, and where things stand now, I first wanted to ask you what drove you to get into nursing in general? Oh, excellent question. I can't say there was an exact aha moment. I've always been a bit of a helper. My mother would um, attest to that always, even as a small child. I think one of the things that solidified it for me, though, was when my, my paternal grandmother was dying of colon cancer. We were doing home hospice for her. And I remember at some point, this is me a little graphic, but you got the audience for it. They need to give her morphine and they need to give it morphine suppositories because she couldn't take it orally. And everybody kind of freaked out because, of course, you know, the hospice nurse doesn't stay there all the time. So family has to take over when they're not there. And my dad kind of freaked and my aunt kind of freaked and my mom kind of freaked. And I was like, I'll do it. Like, she's got to be comfortable. Like, who cares how I'm giving it? I got to get it to her. And I think that's what kind of solidified it for me. I was like, I can definitely do this. I just want to make people comfortable and as happy as they can be. Yeah. And, you know, we definitely have a nurse on now that within the first minute we're talking suppositories. So <laughs> I think, you know, it's a whole new dynamic to the to the podcast. That's for sure. Glad I can help. So you and I met because you were a cardiac critical care nurse. And mm -hmm. is that where you just found yourself after training or is there something that brought you to that field? Also interesting. So I kind of fell into cardiology. So a little bit more of a background. So I used to play softball, um, grew up playing softball and kind of was like a jack of all trades kind of player. I did everything but pitch. And then when I got to the collegiate level, I kind of wasn't a commodity anymore because I was kind of just kind of okay at everything, but not really good at one position. So when I got into my nursing career, I was like, uh, I think I may need to specialize and just be super good at one thing as opposed to just be okay at a bunch of things. So my cousin was an office manager um, for a cardiology group, and she offered me a position while I was in nursing school as a medical assistant. 
And it just took off from there. I passed my boards while I was working for them. The docs were really great with me. They really encouraged me to move on, even though they loved having me in the office. They really encouraged me to move on and to stay green and growing, right? So they sent me to the hospital that I work at now. And I was on a cardiac telemetry floor unit for about 15 months until my manager came to me and said, I think you're ready for the ICU and they need some people. So there I went. And here I am. And without that, we would have never met. And, you know, I consider you a good friend and we'll get into how that relationship was built. I mentioned when this episode started that you and I got to know each other over a six month period where I was Mm -hmm. stuck in the hospital and you were my nurse many of those times. So Mm -hmm. tell the audience from your perspective kind of about how we met and and how things, you know, were, you know, your perspective from how I was as a patient. Oh, wow. That's a loaded question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think you might remember that I wasn't your nurse in the very beginning. It it was probably a couple weeks until I actually took care of you at some point. But I don't know. I think, you know, we just clicked. I don't have any brothers. I think that's what I always attested to. And though you have two lovely sisters that offered to share you with me, I think there was just, they're just kind of a bond. We just kind of meshed. I think it was really Harry Potter that really bonded us originally, right? There was a lot of chat about that. Yeah, there was a ton of Harry Potter chat. And, <laughs> you know, Harry Potter is actually the the theme that like led to me and my wife bonding originally as well. So Harry Potter is just out there building relationships all over the world, I guess. Uh, but you and I while Mm -hmm. I was in the hospital were patient and nurse and at some point it just became we were friends and I don't know how often that happens to you or if that happens all the time to you but do you think it was our closeness in age how long I was there why do you think me and you just hit it off so much I think I think probably all of those things. I think probably all those things were factors. I was also uh, at a place in like my life and my career where I was giving a lot. You know, I didn't I didn't have a husband at home at that time. I didn't have children at home at that time where I had to like run home to take care of things outside of work or a sick parent or something like that. So I had a lot of extra time. So you know, you know, I could build a relationship with you or with any of my patients really beyond the shift. Yeah. So let's talk about that because you set a bar that no nurse could attain. And what I mean by that is you would come visit me on, so you would take care of me um, all day. And then there was sometimes on your day off or at night, you would come back and hang out with me and we would play Harry Potter trivia. You would bring me food. Sushi. Yeah. Which I don't eat as much anymore unless, you know, I get the cooked forms of sushi. But, you know, so to me, that bond was so important for my time there. And we'll get into the other nurses that I got to know as well. But you, you know, went above and beyond. And I found that part so important. And I think that's what made my time as a patient that much better. And you, not only came, but you would get other people to come. So you got another nurse to come and play Harry Potter seen it with us so that we could have a third member. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't just a one-on-one battle. And so 
do you feel, and it wasn't just me. I know there was other people that you were like bringing food to and stuff. And so do you think it's, there's something special about the patients waiting for a transplant or do, or do you act this way with everybody? Um, I think, you know, you know, nurses in general, we have an empathy and a compassion, but with your population in particular and on the unit you were on with, with me and the other nurses, we had time, time was on our side. Right. And we also knew how taxing that time was on you guys. I don't know if anybody's really grasped the gravity of what you're of what you've told them with your story, but being six months in a hospital, six months not going outside, six months walking the same loop around the nurses station. I think I just had a lot of, what can I do to make this a little bit better for you and for some of the other patients? So I think maybe that's a little bit, I don't know if I answered that question well, but. No, definitely. And being uh, on the other side of it now as a doctor and my patient's you know, they get upset when they're in the hospital for a day. And Mm -hmm. I never, you know, play the one up game. And I say, Oh, you know, you did a day, try doing Mm -hmm. 180. Um, You know, I don't say that to them. I actually tell them that I know from personal experience that one day in the hospital is too much. That's how my thought process is on the hospital. If you're not in there getting paid, I wouldn't be there. It's just not a place that you ever want to find yourself. But it wasn't just you. And that's why I'm going to talk about mm-hmm. the other nurses. So the nurses there on the floor you work with are yeah. some of the greatest people I've ever met. <laughs> and I interviewed many transplant recipients across the country, actually. And the majority of them had the same thing to say. And it's those of yeah. them that were stuck in the hospital. It was the nurses that ended up making or breaking the experience. Okay. And some of the things that the nursing staff that you work with did was mm-hmm. one, they brought me food like every single day because they knew <laughs> how much I didn't like the hospital food. Um, they, you know, would bring me candy. They would sit there. They would talk with me. The night nurses would come and play games with me until like mm-hmm. two or three in the morning. Um, mm-hmm. Just cause you know, I was the 23 year old, 24 year old hanging out up all night. Yeah. You guys put a sign outside my door that said I wasn't allowed to be bothered until 11 a.m. And, and, yeah, and, you, and you stuck to it and you <laughs> yeah. all stuck to it, which is, yeah. you know, fantastic. And so I think, you know, it, it it just really made waiting for a transplant that much better. And I think that's why I really wanted to have this episode because I wanted anyone who's listening to know how important the patient nurse relationship is. Yeah. I think, you know, to just enhance that point, you know, I think a lot of nurses are acutely aware that, you know, like you said about like, we're getting paid to be there and then you don't want to be there. We're also acutely aware that we get to go home at night and that your bad day is going to be way worse than, or your normal day is going to be way worse than a bad day for us. Right. Completely. And it's one of those things that you don't know it until you're in it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know how many listeners we have, our patients, our our medical professionals, but Mm -hmm. I think a lot of this will resonate with them that sometimes working in the medical field, especially now, can be really, really, really rough. And it's just one of those times you have to just remind yourself that, hey, at least I'm going home tonight. Exactly. So should we talk about me scaring you? (laughs) 
How about me singing to you? (laughs) (laughs) So I think it's worth talking about. And this is just a little little anecdotal um, example of, you know, what you can, what life becomes when you've been in a hospital for so long and you get to be with the same nurses all the time. (laughs) So there was one night where Steph was coming in to take care of me and I pretended like I was asleep. So when Mm -hmm. she came in close to change my IV line, I Mm -hmm. just jumped up and scared her and freaked her out. And it was, (laughs) you know, one of the highlights of the hospital stay, that's for sure. (laughs) Yeah, 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 that was a good one. I still, I still remember that a little bit, like the feeling, like I remember it, but I still (laughs) remember the feeling a little bit. Yeah, wide-eyed and freaked out. (laughs) Yeah, I think, you know, Sorry, not to go back to the point before, but I just, I thought of what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. You know, what you, you know, you give us nurses a lot of credit for um, those little additional things like coming in or bringing in food. I guess it just feels like, from my perspective, such a little thing, but it's it's really nice to hear that it makes such a great big impact. And I it's, think that's what drives us. It's such a big thing. And now that I'm a doctor and it was, you know, always my goal since I was 14 to become a doctor, mm-hmm. it only has added to my idea of how important nurses are. Mm-hmm. And now nurses are my, my, like as a, my eyes, my ears, my everything, yeah. you know, like yeah. I go and see patients and I try my best to stay and sit with them and talk with them. But if a patient is crashing, if a patient is having pain, if a patient is not responding well to a medication, I don't really know about it. It's the nurse who needs, who hears about it, sees it and notifies me. And so the inability to do your job without nurses is is so, without nurses, I'd be lost. And that's how I felt as a patient. And now that's how I feel as a doctor, um, which is why we're here in the month of Thanksgiving, giving thanks for all the RNs out there. Yeah. I mean, that just speaks to being a team too. Like the, the well-oiled machines are the ones that, you know, where there's mutual respect across really all of the professions. But yeah, that's really nice of you to say, I think. Yeah. Because when I was in the hospital, it came a point when I was, I don't know, probably just two weeks in and it's like, Mm -hmm. well, he's on the meds that he needs to be on. And Mm -hmm. now we just wait for a heart. And so my Mm -hmm. doctors like never even needed to see me. They'd kind of, you know, wave, wave, you know, by as they walk by the room or quickly pop their head in just to see how I was doing. Mm -hmm. And then I was there all day with the nurses. So, you know, it's just a different dynamic between patients and and how they are with the different members of the staff. And that's a really good point, because that is really how your care was. I mean, it was really just kind of changing some drip bags over and making sure your pulmonary catheter was okay, right? But these little extra things were, I mean, not to use a hospital catchphrase, but a way to individualize your care, right? <laughs> because you can attest to this. Physically, we had you covered. Like you were you were set. We were monitoring you too in case anything hemodynamically became unstable. But really, it's a mental, emotional game after that, right? That's all it became was yes. how do I pass the time and not go oh. insane? And it all, you know, of course, I had my family, my friends, and but there's only so long people can visit you at the hospital just in general. And I don't mean with restrictions. I mean, they can only sit there for so long and just be like, what else am I supposed to do? Whereas the nurses that were there 24 seven and it, you know, made it nice to to talk with everybody. 
You had a lot of cupcakes. You had like a lot of really good cupcakes. I mean, I'm lucky I don't have diabetes with the food that I <laughs> ate just in that six month I think period. All the nurses have diabetes. Now. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, I still eat that way, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at least I have lab draws all the time to tell me where my blood glucose is. <laughs> to elaborate on that point, though, too. So, as a nurse on that unit, <clears throat> I could have some really challenging emotional days. So, like, I was assigned to you a lot, right? So here I have this patient, pre-op heart transplant, like pretty physically tuned up. And then I'm just kind of, you know, keeping you up, keeping your keeping your spirits high. And there was a couple of times where literally my other patient was post-cardiac arrest, progressing to brain death and actually looking to donate organs. So I would literally have to like upshift and downshift based on what room I was in. So either I'm upshifting, being like, hey, Cole, how's it going? to go into another room, possibly hugging a mom and downshifting. So some of the days were super emotional based on how my assignment ran. Exactly. And I was still looking for my friend and friendly version of you, the nurse, and Mm -hmm. you're cognizant of that and you're coming Mm -hmm. in and I'm expecting you and I to just shoot the shit and you're dealing with a patient dying next door. And what a dynamic, you know, that must've been in. And it's something that, 100% never crossed my mind, actually, when I was a patient. And I'm not sure how much it would have if if I didn't have the experience I have now where I see multiple patients a day. Because when you are sick, the you know, as ill as as I was, it's hard to see past that. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed that with all the patients I deal with, whether they come in, just because they, you know, have some palpitations, or if they have chest pain, or if they're, you know, literally in shock, mm-hmm. each and every one of them, whether minor or major to them, it's the biggest thing going on. Of course. Um, and that's how you have to try and make mm-hmm. sure you're, you're seeing it and not downplaying what the other person is going through. Yeah, I literally tell my new nurses, if someone's here in our ICU, hands down one of the top, top worst times in their life. So every emotion is going to be enhanced. Every emotion is going to be exaggerated, right? So that's why we see people who are more angry or more sad or or more frustrated. And you have to learn how to not take that personally and just kind of like unpack what they have going on and get to the root of it. And usually, usually you can find the person underneath there. I completely agree. The only other thing I would say is since you gave me permission to talk about you in the ICU training class that I have... I actually use that example with them about how their assignment, you know, I could have somebody waiting for an organ and then somebody giving an organ or, you know, that big emotional swing that happens and they all really respond to it and they love your story. And I definitely plug this podcast as well. <laughs> yeah, no, this is, um, which thank you. And yeah, no, if anyone, you know, if, if my story could be beneficial in any way, I am an open book with yeah. it. So while I have you here though, Of course, you know, the underlying theme of our podcast is the fact that myself and Aline are organ recipients, and you have a strong connection to organ donation as well. I do, right around Thanksgiving, too. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So (laughs) we're coming up on the time. It's the, the time where we try and think about the things we're thankful for. And of course, we are thankful for all the heroes that give their organs. So what is your connection to organ donation? So my father in 2008 at the age of 56 died of a cardiac arrest at home. He was brought into the hospital. 
you know, of course, my sisters, my mom and I, my aunt, we all went to the hospital. They were working on him and then they put us in that room and the doctor came in with the nurse behind him. And when they opened the door, I remember just looking at my mom and being like, he's gone. Like, you know, I've done that. You know, I've been, I've been her, I've been that nurse that comes in behind the doctor to tell the family the news. You know, he explained, you know, what had happened, that he was he was actually dead on arrival. They never, they never got him back. But he obviously wasn't put on the ventilator, so he couldn't donate organs. But I don't know if it was my training or if I just wanted to take care of everybody and comfort everybody and knew that doing some kind of donation would be a silver lining for our real dark cloud right now. So I just looked at the nurse and I said, can we donate? And she said, absolutely, I can make that happen. And my mom kind of looked at me like, what? what are you talking about? Like this, you know, like processing. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I remember just looking at her and be like, you're going to appreciate it. You're going you're to appreciate this. Like we're, let's do it. Like we're going to appreciate it. And she literally was talking to the donor services that night while I was making phone calls to family members and stuff. It turned out to be an amazing thing for our family. So instead of celebrating his passing, which was the Monday before Thanksgiving, or sometimes we'll do his birthday, but instead of celebrating his passing or, you know, remembering him, you know, however you want to say it, we do the annual blue-green walk run. And that's kind of like our time to remember my dad. And he was able to help 50 people, I think is what the letter eventually said, between corneas, tissue, bone. Yeah. And I think a couple of his valves, blood and tissue. But, you know, I mean... But my mom really got a lot out of it. And she really, really was very grateful. I think they even told us, like, where's Cornea's when? Dead of these gorgeous blue eyes. And I think one of them was, like, all the way down in Texas. And then, I mean, in Texas. And then the other one was a woman in Newington. And I actually was living in Newington at the time. So we just all thought that was really cool. But it just gave us a lot of solace. And then it connected me to the donation services, family, and transplant patients. And I think that might have been a factor with us too. What do you think? Yeah, of course. And, you know, it's such an incredible story. 50 people, you know, had their lives, you know, improved by your dad. It's, it's incredible. And it's why we talk about it so much and try Mm -hmm. and not only give thanks to them and make people realize how heroic the active organ donation is, but get more people to sign up to become organ donors. And hopefully your story today, hearing how much, not only that your dad did for others, but the way that it made you and your family feel. Well, if we could get even one person to sign up to become an organ donor, that would be worth it. Well, and that's an excellent point too, because it definitely pushed a lot of my family members. I've always been an organ donor, obviously nurse helper. Like my theory was always like, you can't take them with you, you know, um, might as well help someone. But it actually um, inspired a few of my family members who weren't organ donors to sign up and put that on their license. So that was nice to hear too. Yeah, definitely. Anyone listening, please sign up. You can go to super easy. You can go to registerme.org and you mm-hmm. can sign up right now and become an organ donor mm-hmm. and save or, save and improve many, many lives. Yeah. So yeah, like shameless plug for the annual Blue Green Walk Run. Um, they do it like every year in April. It's New England Donor Services that puts it on. We had to do a drive-through type this past year, but it's you know a great way to remember people who have passed and to celebrate people who have gotten the gift of life. So 
yeah, shameless plug for that in Windsor, Connecticut. <laughs> yeah, and you um, beat me to my to the way I end with my guests, where I ask them if there's anything they want to plug. So that's perfect. I've been part of it since it started, and it's been like seven years now. And it's just another, like I said, it's another great way to like you know honor my dad instead of you know you know on the day you die. You know, let's do like the day he gave gave hope to other people. You know. Yeah, and I, a day, but a day, you know, you got, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> and you haven't even dragged me out there yet. And I, <laughs> you know, being the worst have, have not made an appearance yet. So I uh, think was there. Yeah, yeah, I definitely owe it. it. And I'd be happy to be on team Kasich Tomino. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. We'd love to have you. So thank you, Steph, for coming on. Hopefully yeah. people enjoyed the discussion of kind of you and I being uh, patient nurse buddies. And for anyone wondering how mm-hmm. our relationship kind of has been since I left the hospital, you know, yeah. me and Steph have, you know, gone out to dinner. She came to golf tournaments that supported my nonprofit I mm-hmm. attended Steph's wedding, which was mm-hmm. incredible. <laughs> Steph would have 100% attended mine if it wasn't for COVID. Yeah, COVID. And so, you know, it's incredible what you know, what a patient nurse relationship can become. So thank you again to Steph. Thank you again to all the nurses out there. We will be back again for another Thanksgiving themed episode in another week or two. Bye. Thank you to all the listeners. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to our podcast on whichever platform you like to listen to our podcast on, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google, or anything else. Please follow us on Instagram and on Twitter. Both are at both sides of the stethoscope. And if you have any questions for myself or for Steph, uh, we will definitely get any questions you have for her to her. You can comment on any of our social media posts or send us a message, or you can email us at both sides of the stethoscope at gmail.com. And we hope to have you listen again in the next week or two for our next episode. See you then.